0: energy is the one thing that we have a finite amount of. And where we direct that energy? Are we getting a return on that energy? Is that energy impactful? If we're thinking about the same thing, we have a problem, we're thinking about it, you know, our brain loves habits, it loves patterns, it loves process their things, but it can be very inefficient because the emotions get involved. When our emotions get involved, we tend to kind of recycle the same thought time and time again. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back,
1: relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by J Ventures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley in partnership with Loomitech, sponsored by Homeward Ventures, Hippo Insurance, UpWest Labs, Synergy Global, hello at Stanford, Leap, Birthright Excel, Serona Partners, and in media partnership with c Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. This is a very special episode, really all about leadership in very, very unique ways. Meet Vivian James Rigney, President and CEO of Insight Us LLC, a global executive coaching consultancy operating throughout five continents. Where he has helped implement leadership development initiatives for some of the world's leading companies and their executive teams, he has also climbed the seven summits, the highest peak on all seven continents. On March eighth, his book *Naked at the Knife Edge* was published, a book about his climbing of Everest and an epic story of fear, resilience, and the power of vulnerability. I'm really excited to talk to you about leadership, as simple and as complex as it may be. Um, you know, having climbed. The Seven Summits, uh, and uh, with an amazing book coming out, uh, I believe just recently. Given when this publication is, so uh, we'll act as if it has already come out. And uh, talking about uh, the, the adversity and talking about defeating, defeating challenges, all in the context also of leadership. And you as a professional coach, and, and running some, um, you know, helping phenomenal CEOs and phenomenal organizations become their best leaders, that they can be in the president of Inside Us. So, so, Vivian, over these 20 minutes, I'm excited to tap into your stories of climbing the seven summits, you as a coach, understanding better for myself as a young entrepreneur. What does it mean to be a good leader in your eyes? Thank you so much for coming.
0: Yeah, I think the, the, the core and the, the premise of the book is that um, climbing Everest is a metaphor for how to overcome challenges, but, but the most important thing to be an effective leader, and there are obviously lots of leadership books on how to lead, how to influence people, how to have mm-hmm. impact and all of those very important things. But it really starts with yourself and that level of self-awareness. One has to be aware of yourself. One has to make peace with yourself. One has to understand how to disarm the ego, how to uh, be very aware of a persona that is unhealthy. So an ego that's unhealthy, a persona that's unhealthy. Again, coming back to the core, coming back to yourself. And that's the premise of the, the book is based on, 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 on that's the starting point. When we are in a good place with ourselves, then we can help other people, then we can impact other people, then we can be aware of other people, we can understand what's happening around us. Um, and a lot of people I work with, very smart, very talented, seasoned, experienced, very dynamic, lots of ideas, great energy, um, but a lot of them can overthink. And when they overthink, they're burning an inordinate amount of energy, and um, that's energy that, that that could be used elsewhere. And this, this idea of um clarity in their mind are uh, reducing the inner inner dialogue in their mind and allowing them to be much more intuitive, much more aware of what's happening around them and at the same time being authentic. So that coming from an authentic place, from a genuine authentic place and in doing that, you have to be at peace with yourself. you have to be, have that inner inner, you have to be that inner rock and for and this if we think of the corporate world and we think of it also with um, with sports, you know, if you're an athlete, if you're in the Olympics, you know, coaches are training people to get out of their heads, to get what they call in the zone. And in business and corporate nowadays, we're hearing much more about mindfulness, much more about being present. It's the same premise. So the sporting world is teaching a lot of um, of aspects of, of how to find that zone and find that place so we can influence at scale. The difference with the corporate world is we're, we're leading, leading folks is we're leading at scale, we're getting others to do things that we cannot physically do ourselves. Right, uh, and that's the challenge. And so, if we're looking
1: back to the to the you know the really the the foundation of what you're talking about here, it's the, it's our ability to intentionally be at peace with ourselves, be genuine, be authentic, and and only when we're able to to harness that, we're able to then help others and lead by examples. You know, I'm looking at, you know, the various people that may be listening here, including myself and the different places where we are in life. And obviously none of us are 100% genuine, 100% at peace with ourselves. And it's a constant struggle. But how do I know myself, Michael, what I need to be even working on? How do I know to identify and be first honest with myself where I'm not being honest with myself?
0: Um. When we think of where we're putting our energy, energy is the one thing that we have a finite amount of. And where we direct that energy? Are we getting a return on that energy? Is that energy impactful? If we're thinking about the same thing, we have a problem, we're thinking about it, you know, our brain loves habits, it loves patterns, it loves... Um, processing things. But it can be very effic- inefficient because the emotions get involved. And when our emotions get involved, we tend to kind of recycle the same thought time and time again. So we may think of a problem or a situation, if there are emotions attached to that, we can go into what we call a spiral. And that can take a lot of energy. So we're not solving anything. We're just thinking about the same thing time and time again. That's gross inefficiency. Mm-hmm. And we allow those situations Come into our minds. And again, with, with senior execs or leaders, they're quite lonely in a way because they can't necessarily be sharing everything, you know, what's happening, what their concerns or worries are with people around them. They're supposed to lead. People look up to them. Their board um, expects them to be solid, expects them to be clear minded. Of course, they can ask for mentors and so forth, but a lot of it is in their heads. So you could imagine if somebody is really festering on a, a problem, is festering in their minds or they're spinning, or they're not getting into your box of place, it's incredibly wasteful. And it also means they. it shuts their mind down to picking up what's happening around them, what the reality is, looking forward more, uh, balancing their intuition um, with the data, and and distilling that down into you know being decisive where decisiveness is necessary. If you don't have enough information, understand what you're missing, how to get that There's a time where decisions have to be made as well. And that peace of mind is so important, particularly when everything is moving fast and that efficiency becomes uh, dramatic in terms of impact.
1: So it's not just about us being authentic and genuine with ourselves so that others want to be led by us, but it's also impacting our ability to make good, thoughtful, intentional decisions in the moment, both immediate that require decision-making, but also other decisions that require us to understand what pieces are we missing and have that clarity of mind to and have that peace to go and explore those options to make a, to make a, a good decision. Vivian, tell me a little bit about climbing the seven summits and specifically Mount Everest. How how is, does that play into your coaching and and your thinking process through what it means to be a, to be a good leader?
0: Everest is a great metaphor because it's it's the obviously tallest mountain in the world, but it's incredibly technical and detailed, mm. and there are so many uncontrollable. So I went there. I was super fit. I was I was strong. I climbed tall mountains before. I was prepared. Um, now at the same time, I've always had a fear of heights, so there was something in the back of my mind that was you know definitely anxiety. I was going in there anxious. But the ego was dr- was drive driven. You've done tall mountains before, you know. Get your put your head down. You'll figure it out, and you're good at grinding things out when you're in when you're in tough positions. When I got there and two months on the mountain, so it's a massive two undertaking months. you can imagine. Two months and three rotations to get to the summit of Everest. Rotation one. But first of all, you go by ten days into base camp to acclimatize. Base camp is your base, but that's at sixteen thousand feet. That's about uh, 5,700 meters. So it's already very, very high. So you already have issues of breathing the moment you arrive at base camp. Uh, that improves over time as you, your blood, uh, red blood cells propagate. Um, but then there's rotation one, is where you go all the way up to Kumbu fold to camp one, camp two, then all the way back to base camp, uh, carrying supplies along the way, acclimatizing along the way, dealing with obstacles along the way. Then you wait a week or 10 days, then you go all the way up to camp one, camp two, camp three, more climatization, moving supplies up there, then all the way back to Camp One, or sorry, Base Camp. At that point, that's about five weeks in. My body was emaciated. Most of us were emaciated. All our body, your body starts consuming muscle, consuming all the fat because you're not able to digest at that altitude. So then we go down into the valley, a few thousand feet or like a, a thousand meters or so, for a few days, and we eat as much as we can. We sleep as much as we can, recover our body to a degree, back to base camp, open up our laptops, and then, then the fun starts. Then it's really thinking about weather patterns, because there's only about five to seven days in a climbing season one can summit Everest, where the jet stream moves back from the summit, and there's an ability to attempt the summit. And then we wait, and then if when the weather window is there, then we make the move for a third rotation. And the third rotation is all the way up through those same camps, one, two, three, four. And if we're lucky, five is the summit, and then incredible. back down again. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible journey of obstacles, of things you cannot control. And I think that's the, the whole uh, take on this, Michael, is that, that your, your, our egos break down because the ego is of no use when you're <laughs> hanging outside of Everest at 8,000 meters, saying, I can do it, I can do it. There's a point where your body doesn't believe that anymore. And, and but- you know that. Uh, so you become very naked and very exposed very quickly. And the persona of worrying about what other people think of you, that's irrelevant because you're there with yourself. You have a few colleagues, but everyone is there. So that idea of being extremely vulnerable and recognizing what that feeling is to be that exposed. And the question then is, who are you in that position? Mm-hmm. And those questions and the book uh, takes is, is quite descriptive of the question in my mind was, "Why are you here?" Wow! And that was a powerful question that um, that needed answering at the time.
1: Those periods of time between the rotations, where you're sitting, you're acclimatizing, you're, you know, you're you're in the process. You're not advancing. You're in the middle. You're not advancing on an hourly or daily basis, and you know that you're in sort of a waiting period when you've come to conquer this feat. What are those days like? What, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Obviously also as a high paced executive that is, you know, really usually going to push things forward. What happens when you're sitting down and you have a few days where you're like, okay, now I'm recovering. Now I'm, I'm waiting.
0: Yeah. Those days are actually bad days because on the mountain, the bad days are days when you don't have things to do. So on those days, we, we go for little walks or we prepare our gear, but there are days of reflection. And days where you really feel how tired you are. You feel, you see your rib cage, your, your, you know, how, how emaciated you become. And in my experience, those days, about a couple of weeks since the expedition, I got down actually for a few days. And I got down because what entered my mind was, wow, I'm actually here and my life is at risk. And if something happens to me, I fall down a crevasse or, or I slip off an ice ledge and that's, that's the end of me. How will people back there, the people I care about remember me? And up to that point, I'd never even really thought of that. I was too busy achieving. I was driving. I was succeeding. I was proving. I was all the time going forward with this huge level of, of doing more, experiencing more. And at that, for those days in the tent, I remember thinking, well, will they remember me for what I achieved or how I made them feel? And of course, the answer was the former. It was what I would have achieved not enough of how i would have mm. made them feel so that was a profound um a wake-up call for me and that came back wow. to haunt me on day, where i really asked that question you know um that's not how i want to live my life because it won't be meaningful to others which means what's the whole purpose of what i'm doing if i'm not going to be around what's the purpose of being here right a legacy is something you want you want to make the world a better place to some degree with people you care about that's fulfillment doing it in the moment and if something happened to me, for them to remember me because of that, and they could continue that. So this was me a 39, um, <laughs> 39 years old, uh, facing these pretty pretty deep uh, life questions of, what's the meaning of life and who am I? And uh, the pressure of Everest was, it's so claustrophobic in a way, because there's no escape from that. You can't talk your way out of it. Your brain doesn't believe it anymore. You are, uh, as I say, very naked. And... Um, Again, go back to leadership and coaching. Most leaders are, are are quite naked on the inside. They and very few of them ask for help. And there's this idea of failure, a fear of failure. If I ask for help, I might perceive as being weak. If I admit some of my you know uh, weaknesses, that might be something that that others will look down on or take advantage of. And yes, you don't have to share everything with everybody, but there's the degree of. Of authenticity that comes with asking for help and being human and finding that balance as a leader is, it's, it's that, that's, they're the leaders that make a difference. Guy called Richard Branson, incredibly famous global. he, He mixes that idea of, um, he's good at what he does and he has exceptional people around him completing the circle. And he can be playful, he can be profound, he can be curious, he can be very driven. He can be all of those things. But the one thing that comes out of that is an authenticity that inspires followership. And it's interesting. I think if you were to ask him along the way, how are you doing, Richard? Um, <laughs> his answer is, I'm doing quite well. He, he finds fulfillment in being himself. Right. And in Everest, I found that that, that was so... That was the holy grail that I came down the mountain with. I, I just want to find that space with me. And then other people around me will probably benefit for that, from that. But I've got to find it first.
1: How does that translate into the daily life? So as we're progressing, especially in tech and, you know, the companies are growing and, 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 you know, putting aside all the societal pressures and we're looking at what's happening in me- with media and especially over the last few years with the insane valuations and the crazy expectations of delivering value in unprecedented speeds and time, how, how do we as leaders at that point know to balance that and to ma- maintain this intentionality and maintain this idea that at the end, what we, are, we are humans, we are seeking fulfillment, and if we are fulfilled, we'll actually be able to bring back and do better for the world because we'll make better decisions and we'll be better humans.
0: I think the, the connection is very, it's very important for people not to get caught up in the bubble. And to get caught up in their own bubble in their own world. So, how to be grounded, how to have that connection with whether it be customers, whether it be society, whether it be, and 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 having that intertwine that where one can be highly innovative, one could be pushing the boundaries, one can be, you know, having the greatest innovation ever and that and great mindset and great culture, but one has to be connected also with the world that we serve and and you know on a on a on a tech side with customers and and understanding that. How does one embroider? I think the most successful companies are the ones where uh where the person, the individual using the service or or the app or whatever it may be, they feel connected to that brand. They feel as though that brand, there's, there's a value in it, there's a connection, there's a loyalty, there's a those values are intertwined. And I think successful companies are the ones where they can match that exceptional ingenuity innovation with a feeling of being connected and being thoughtful about that and how do you do that in your organization how do you do that as a ceo um how do you nurture that because it doesn't happen on its own it has to be thoughtful It has to be purposeful
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um again bringing those two things together and uh, and that obviously it has followership but it, it promotes a very an extremely healthy culture a culture that's uh they can be humble but extremely ambitious and extremely driven and that humility is a almost like you become the lamp and not the moth the moth is busy mm-hmm. trying too hard too yeah. hard too hard where people come to you uh, and that's an honesty of thought and, and purpose uh, and there's a purity there that um that the best leaders and the best companies find and that's it's wonderful to see because the meaningfulness comes through it
1: So Vivian, I'm going on a walk in about two hours and I'm going to have about an hour to, to think. And I was planning on doing my, my usual routine, listening to Broadway songs on, on Spotify and, and not thinking too much. But, but I do want to think and I want to be intentional and I want to challenge myself, not on Everest, but here on the boardwalk next to the beach. What are, what are some questions that you advise CEOs that you work with or in this situation, me to, to think through in that, in that, relatively short but, but important time that I'm going to be reflecting for myself. What should I be asking myself and reflecting for myself so that, cu- so that I can begin a process of, of being more intentional and being more fulfilled?
0: I, I think the most valuable exercise that I do for execs is to get them to listen to what their mind is saying, listen to their inner dialogue. So we have about, as humans, we, have about, we process about sixty to 70,000 thoughts a day and um, you know, 98% of those would be the same thoughts. So our brain tends to repeat itself again and again and again. And the emotions tend to drive a lot of our decisions. Um, so if you were taking that um, that walk, I would, instead of you putting more burdens on yourself, okay, here are questions to think about, here are things I want. So more processing, more burdens, more things to do. Let me throw a few more tasks onto Michael's, I, as if his day isn't busy enough will be to slow all that down and just track what are the, what are the things that are trying to invade your mind, uh, almost like a conscious mindfulness. Um, so when you go for that walk, you're listening to yourself. What does what my mind want to talk about right now? Do I want to allow that to happen? Do, is that good for me? Is that burning energy? Is that giving me energy? Managing the energy level, managing the inner dialogue. Once you become aware of our inner dialogue, our brain almost kicks in. It's almost like we start observing our mind, and then that mind starts to change because it reacts. It's almost like we've pulled the tarpaulin off, and awareness starts to lighten us, hmm. starts to free us. That's a bit like what well, happens to therapy, right? We talk about things, we feel we feel better. Um, but we can do that in our, in our own daily, uh, daily lives, just being consciously aware of the noise machine in our head and deciding, Am I going to entertain that thought? Does it give me energy, or does it take my energy away? And, and just that one simple question: Being aware, is it giving me energy, or am I losing energy? And making that conscious decision
1: the leads that's to have. Thank you so much. This was inspiring and uh, fun, and uh, and at the end, it, it leaves me with, uh, with with a different way of thinking through my day and. And I'm definitely going to change the way that I was expecting to take that walk and I'll leave the, the earphone behind. And I'm also gonna leave my tasks behind and, and listen a little bit more into what's coming in and, and asking myself these questions. Uh, and uh, thank you very, very much for everything and uh, stay safe and stay healthy, Vivian.
0: You're welcome. And great to talk to you today again, Michael. My pleasure. Thank you.
1: Bye-bye.